we know that stress increases pain and pain increases stress. And if you're in that situation and your blood pressure's up and you're adrenalized and you're feeling stressed and, not, and worried and not knowing what to do, your horse is going to feed off that. So welcome to this episode of Healing Horses with Alicia. I have an extra special guest that I am bringing on the show today. Her name is Dr. Lizzie McCready, and she is a practicing veterinarian from Melbourne, Australia. She graduated with honors from the Royal Veterinary College in 2016, and she specializes in equine veterinary medicine. She has experience working with a very busy referral hospital and as an ambulatory vet in the UK and Australia. And her passion is dealing with emergencies. Colic and other medical emergencies are a daily round-the-clock job for her. And she also has a deep passion for educating horse owners on how to handle emergencies. So welcome to the show, Dr. McCree. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you're doing now in your practice for the education initiatives. Mm, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Alicia. I'm so excited for this conversation. Yeah, I know we've got so much too. to talk about. And thank you for that lovely introduction. So currently I work part-time in a veterinary clinic and I also have a buzzing online education business. So I decided back in 2021 that I wanted to start sharing all of the knowledge and the skills that I had accumulated over the past 10 years as a vet. And I'd seen firsthand just how many horse owners were ill-prepared for the challenges that owning a horse can bring you, like finding your horse in the middle of a paddock with a blood with blood gushing out of a wound or maybe them pouring frantically at the ground because they've got colic pain. And just those two things on their own is enough to send an owner into a spiral of stress and worry. So I thought, what can I do to really help bridge this gap, get owners feeling better prepared and also help support the veterinary industry from the ground up because they're going through a bit of a crisis as well. So that's when I developed the equine emergency response training and I've been pouring my heart and soul into getting it out to as many owners as possible so that they have the confidence, the capacity, the practical abilities to help their horses when their horses need them the most. It's such a fulfilling space to be in. I can't wait to delve into more about it with you later. Yeah, I love that. And so uh, just for the audience, a little bit of background. So we connected uh, last week or the week before and jumped on a call and for those of you that have been listening to me for a while or taking my courses in the last few years, something I'm trying to put a lot more emphasis on in my education is mindset. You know, there's just, I can't emphasize how important that is for owners. Whether you're dealing with a chronic emergency, an acute emergency, something that is just really worrying you, uh, where that brings a lot of stress, like keeping yourself together and grounded to make good decisions. Is so, so important. So we got on the call last week. I don't know, two and a half hours later, we're like, darn, we should have recorded this. It's always the best conversations that get missed, right? <laughs> Nobody's listening. So we thought, you know what, let's do a podcast episode because I think mindset is such a huge part of owning a horse. Knowing when to panic, maybe is there a time to panic? Oh, absolutely. There are times to panic. A hundred percent. We can't just, about that. yeah, we can't just have this laid back attitude that everything's going to be okay because sometimes it is a matter of life and death. Owning a horse is an, is a huge responsibility. And as an owner, you're the, you're the first one to find them in these crisis situations. So let's say you find your horse in the paddock and they've trodden on a nail. I see this all the time. If you just go, Oh, no worries. I'll just pull that out. I might wrap it for a day, but they'll be fine. If you do that and you don't have the underlying knowledge of like the anatomy of the foot and 
where that nail might have potentially gone into the foot, you could potentially be setting your horse up for like a debilitating lameness. So you need to understand, okay, if you see a situation like that, okay, actually, I need to not remove the nail. I need to call my vet. I need to maybe take some pictures. The vet needs to come out and x-ray that foot before the nail comes out so we can then figure out if the horse can be treated at home or go to go to hospital. So it's like the owner's decision in that split second moment can have the biggest knock-on effect. But often people don't think about it because no one's ever taught what to do in these situations. Yeah, it's so true. And where do you find the education as a horse owner? And you know, and the acute is one thing. And of course, I'm, I deal with a little bit of acute sometimes, like just for people wanting to practice prevention while they're waiting for the vet or whatever that case may be. Usually it's colic or acute laminitis or something like that. But a lot of what I do is diet and nutrition for chronic health problems. And in those situations, it's not just an instance, it's like long-term stress. It's like an energy drain over a long period of time. And all the worry that goes with that and being very confused at the same time, not knowing where to turn. And I can tell you that your mindset in any of those situations absolutely determines the outcome. And that's something we talked a lot about last time. So maybe you can weigh in on that because it's a good conversation to have. Completely. And I think it's just something that no one talks about. Like I know in all of my years as a vet, the last thing I'm doing when I'm going out and I'm treating a horse is talking to the owner about their mindset. Yeah, it is so important. Like the energy that the owner is putting into the situation has a direct effect on the horse. Like we know that stress increases pain and pain increases stress. And if you're in that situation and your blood pressure's up and you're adrenalized and you're feeling stressed and not and worried and not knowing what to do, your horse is going to feed off that. So that is then going to cloud your judgment and it even affects like the blood flow in your brain. So when you're calm and collected, all the thinking parts of your brain are switched on. You're able to kind of map out logically what you want to do. But when we get stressed, let's say like you're not unsure what to do, like you find your horse having a laminitic episode, the blood flow in your brain actually switches to your fear centers. So your logical thinking goes out the window and you're then just stuck in that fear response. And it can be really confusing where to turn to. And I think the majority of horse owners rely on the first-hand experiences that they've had, which I think are invaluable. They are absolutely fantastic, but it takes years and years to accumulate enough first-hand experience to really know what you're doing. And then they also rely on other people. So they're constantly relying on other owners and horse owners. Everyone's got an opinion, really. So you're going to get a lot of conflicting advice there. And then people go searching online, but without any clear direction of where they need to be looking. So I think the overwhelm of information can play a huge part in it. And again, then it just feeds into this mixing pot of confusion and then inaction and people then just bury their heads in the sand instead of actually taking a step back and thinking, do you know what? This is my responsibility. It's my responsibility to be doing my own research, to be up-leveling my own knowledge and skills so I can be the best advocate for my horse. I can't simply rely on professionals to fix the problem for me. That's on me. Yeah, you have to participate in the process and the journey. And I think that's particularly relevant in these long-term chronic health problems, you know, like metabolic issues, laminitis, and sometimes owners don't want to learn you know, and that's just what it is. And and you, you get to decide if you want to learn or you don't want to learn. And I also feel like owners shouldn't have to be the experts in some of the, you. We train, we work on this day in and day out. You know, we're supposed to be the guiding light in those situations. That's part of the service that we bring. But at the end of the day, it's important for horse owners to know it's your decision. 
Like it's your decision which direction you go and who you trust. And I do feel because owners don't have the same level of knowledge, it is, and then they have a stress of the situation, which, as you're saying, like reduces IQ as it is. <laughs> and you didn't have the knowledge to begin with. How are you ever going to make informed decisions? It's like it's biologically impossible. Yeah. And exactly. And like you said, it's the, it's just making a decision that you feel good about. Because you've got the information that you feel that you need in order to make that decision. And it's a decision that you know is good for your horse as well. For instance, like I went out to a horse the other day. She was a pregnant mare. She'd been off her food. We were like, oh, she's, she's due in two weeks. What are we going to do? And as a vet, I want to do everything I can under the sun to try and diagnose the problem. But that would have involved sedating the horse, doing a rectal exam to feel for the foal. And the owner just said, I don't want to do it. She's like, my horse had a bad reaction to some sedation in hospital a few years ago, and I just want to avoid sedating her at all costs. And I was able to have a really level conversation with her and be like, absolutely. Like, if that's what you feel is right for her, I absolutely respect your decision. But as an owner, you've got to have the confidence to speak up for your horse. But it's also, you, you do have to have some reasoning to back you up because often it is, it's a, it's a conversation that you want to be having with your professionals. Yeah. And I think it's a conversation you should always feel comfortable in having with professionals. And, you know, over all the years working with horse owners, it's something I hear a lot. Like, I knew this wasn't the right thing for my horse. I just knew it. I wish I had done things differently, but everybody was there. Everybody was putting pressure on. So there's a huge amount of pressure, not only for the horse to fix or provide relief for whatever that situation is, but you've also got a lot of eyes on you with judgment. Completely. Right? There's a lot of judgment. Mm. And I get this all the time with my emergency students. I especially get people who maybe have had a bit of a break from horses and they're coming back into it, or maybe they just haven't been in the space for a huge amount of time. And they're like, I'm at an adjustment property or a livery yard. And let's say my horse had colic and I called the vet and I start doing my horse health assessment. And she's like, I've got, pe I had people watching me. And she's like, I felt judged, but it felt so good to be able to explain to them exactly what I was doing and why, you know, that self-assurance piece is really important. And I'm a massive advocate for the fact that you as an owner, you know, your horse better than any or anyone. So when I come out and I see them as a vet, often I'll do an assessment of them. And then straight away, I'll be like, is this normal for them? Is this normal for them? What is their normal baseline like? Because as an owner, you you know more than the vets do. This is why even when I'm teaching simple skills like the horse health assessment, I get all my students to do it on the horses, their own horses for five days in a row when they're healthy, happy and normal. Because that gives you an idea as an owner what your horse's baseline is. So then when things start to go a little bit off course, you can spot it at the earliest instances. But also means when the vet comes in, you can then compare notes because your vet is only ever seeing your horse at that snapshot of time. We don't have a real idea of what they're like normally. We're always just referring back to standard reference ranges. And the same would be for you, Alicia, when you're dealing with your horses with EMS and laminitis. Like it's the more power we can give back to the owners to pick up on things and to understand their horses better, the more we can actually work as a team to get the horse to where they want to be. Yes. It's a huge mindset piece there that you're bringing mm -hmm. up because I think people really have to honor that even though you have an insulin resistant horse, which science knows a lot about, you can go find tons of research on that, tons of different opinions on how to approach it. But no horse is like your horse. And just because that particular thing 
what worked the best for that horse does not mean it's going to work for your horse. And so I think there's an inner trust that has to go on with yourself. Like you really have to kind of dig deep in those situations and go, I know my horse, this isn't right. They're not acting like they normally would because, you know, and I've had many people come to me and say, I just knew something wasn't right. I just knew it. And they just keep searching, right? They just keep pushing and searching. But if you're kind of struggling with that trust piece and you don't really trust your decision making, that's when things can go off course a lot because all of a sudden the outside opinions and noise gets a lot louder than your inner voice and your horse's voice. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think it's about helping people or giving people the tools so they can strengthen that inner trust and the inner confidence. And, you know, just that feeling that I've got this, like I know, I know enough to have these conversations with the professionals around me and to ask the right questions. Like I feel one thing that comes through for me a lot from my students is that sometimes owners feel a little bit intimidated by vets. Like the vet will come out, they'll be there for half an hour. They're normally under a bit of time pressure. Some of the lingo or the words that they're using might not necessarily drop in properly with the owners. And I think things get lost in translation. So one of the things that I actually really love teaching, which it's, it's something that no one else out there is really talking about, but is the communication piece. Like how can we talk to each other in a way that you as an owner, you feel heard and recognized and all of your concerns are getting aired. And then also you're understanding and absorbing everything that the vet is trying to pass on to you in that really short window of time. Like your, the cases that you talk about, like the EMS and the laminitis cases, Alicia, sometimes I find those are the most challenging because when I go out and I diagnose a pony with EMS or laminitis, there is so much that the owner needs to know. And it can feel like I'm overloading them with information, but it is all so important. How we speak to each other is so key. And Often, again, owners aren't taught how to talk to vets and what to say down the phone to your vets as well. Like that's a really, really key one. Because the other day when I was on call for emergencies, I had 12 emergencies come in within 48 hours. So I was on my feet nonstop. And one thing that made a huge difference was how well all of my clients communicated to me down the phone. You know, everyone picked up the phone. They were calm. They gave me good information. It allowed me to correctly triage my patients so I could see see the horses that needed attention the most first. And at one point, I had four emergencies backed up. And I was like, if I had an owner call me in a panic and not provide me with much info, I would have been left with no other option but to put them at the bottom of the list. So it makes our job a lot harder, as well as the owner then feeling stuck and helpless because they're not getting the care that they feel that they need in that moment. Yeah, I think. And also, I don't think any horse owner with all the busyness of their life, whether, you know, everybody's got jobs, they've got family, they've got serious stuff going on in their lives, in addition to what's ever happening with their horses. And I don't think owners should feel like they have to be the experts because, I mean, you really have to commit to that. Like, you got to get the education, you got to get the experience. I mean, Sometimes it's nice just to have a professional come out and say, like, walk me through this. But in a lot of cases, the owners don't even have the foundation stuff, you know, to be able to make those decisions. So you're not expected to know everything, but just the bare basics. How does a horse digest? That would be a great place to start. Like, how do they digest their food? So when you're making decisions on how should I feed my horse, what kind of horse keeping strategies should I implement? You can just look to the horse and go, well, this makes sense. Just practical application of a lot of that. And I think you feel the same way with a lot of your education. Like It's just practical application that helps you 
mm-hmm. know how to move forward a little bit better. Completely, completely. It just gives you the hands-on tools to be able to get stuck into a situation with a bit more confidence and feeling calm instead of stressed and overwhelmed. Because especially if you're dealing with emergencies, often the vet can't just um, teleport to you in a millisecond. There is going to be a waiting period. It might be an hour. It might be six hours. I know that with the current vet shortage as well, some people are having to wait a full day. So really, like this is your golden opportunity to get the wheels in motion. Like the vet's not going to rock up and have expected you to fix the horse. But there are so many amazing things that you can do. For instance, if your horse gets a cut leg and it's um, and it's bleeding, like just being able to stop the bleeding is a really, really good practical skill. And often if they've cut their leg, it's going to be dirty because your horse has been out in a paddock. It might be muddy. There might be um, contamination from the manure. One of the best things you can do to facilitate good wound healing is get that wound clean. So instead of just leaving it and waiting for the vet to get there in a couple of hours, just taking the horse over, cold hosing it for 10 minutes, giving it a clean with some um, diluted antiseptic, all those things, you can get those wheels in motion so that when the vet gets there, you've already got a head start on your horse's healing journey. And it allows you as an owner to feel empowered, to feel proactive, and to actually feel proud of the actions that you're taking. because. I've got to tell you, like, you'll know, Alicia, like, there's no better feeling than making an animal feel better. Like, relieving some of their discomfort, relieving some of their pain. It's what gets me up in the morning and that gets me, gets me practicing as a vet. And as an owner, that's possible for you as well. You just need to know what steps to, yeah, know what steps to take. And you don't have to do the level of training or the extensiveness that we've done. That's what's really special about. I think what we're starting to offer to the community is like, here's a beautifully packaged little slice of what I know that's going to be perfect for your situation. It's like, I've taken everything that I've learned over the past 10 years, plus all of my 20 years being a horse owner before that. And it's like, what do you actually need to know? What is going to make the difference? And how can I just give it to you in a way that is focused? So you're only getting what you need and you're not getting what you don't need, you know, because Everything's out there on the internet, but having the capacity to sift through that is a skill in itself. Like you need to know what you're looking for and needed to be able to tell what's right and wrong. So being yes. able to learn from you know a mentor. What? It's impossible to do that. It's impossible. <laughs> yes. Just the volume of information on the internet, no matter what you're looking up, is so vast. You would need to donate the rest of your life as a full-time job to even begin to start making sense of that. And so, you know, don't get bogged down with those details, you know, just find the right person to help you through it and learn from the right people that make sense for you. I also have the saying, cause I've, I've just worked with so many horses and owners is if whatever approach you're taking isn't right for you, if you can't get there uh, emotionally, mentally, where you're like, this is the right step for my horse, it is not right for the horse either. Because what happens is the person or owner ends up just being in a tug of war throughout that whole journey with maybe the people in their lives versus, you know, what they're hearing from other practitioners. They're fighting with themselves. They're not committing to the things that are necessary to get that horse well. And the horse knows it. And so maybe we can touch on that because a lot of these emotions, uh, whether you're in crisis, you're in panic, you know, things happen. Your horse feels everything that you're feeling. And I talk about this in a lot of my uh, webinars, especially the, um, I do this series once a year before my big course called Become Your Horse's Healer. And we talk about all that. Like, are you walking out into the pasture every day mad? 
Are you walking out there feeling overwhelmed and stressed out in your own life? If they're not walking that morning very well because they're in a state of unsoundness or there's an injury, do you look at them like you're going to die? Because they know that too. They feel it. You know, and you would probably (laughs) see that a lot more than I do with uh, some of these acute situations, right? Because the horse is already worried. They don't like being down and in pain, especially in those colic or injury situations. So maybe you can touch on that for us. You know, how you see that sort of exchange of energy between the horse and the owner. Oh, absolutely. It playing out. And like, as an owner, you got to be so careful with your words as well. It's like, yes, your horses might not speak English, but I feel they can sense the power of your words. And the more you're panicking and the more you're escalating the situation, they feed off that. They're thinking, oh my God, like, am I, am I actually going to be okay? And it can be really surprising to see how different people respond because sometimes you get caught, not get caught out, but sometimes I'm surprised by certain people's reactions. Like I was telling you earlier, I have a wonderful client who's an ICU nurse and her horse has got a wound on his leg. And it's so interesting seeing how emotional she is about the wound and how scared she is of the fact that it's not healing quickly enough and it should be getting better and the fact that he's getting irritated by it because it's getting bothered by flies and just seeing her get riled up. And I'm like, wow, you deal with like pretty intense human trauma, but this is really riling you up. And again, I'm like, it will get better. Like you could, you could honestly put that horse out in a paddock. And in a couple of months, you probably wouldn't know there was even a wound there. Like it's just one of those things that is going to heal on its own accord, but you worrying about it and obsessing over it isn't going to get it better any quicker. And then what can happen is sometimes like vets then feel pressured to do more. And then actually we can end up interfering more with the horse's natural healing process. And I think this can happen a lot as well with owners when you try to overcomplicate the situation. And often that comes from people feeling stressed and scared and they're trying to control instead of actually trusting in the process and the fact that things are going to be okay. And then just relying on the team that you have around you. Because I think, again, like you said, like making sure you have a good team of experts. There's no one person that's going to be able to help you with everything for your horse. You really need like five or six experts in your corner that you can rely on, that you've got a good relationship with, that you can bounce ideas off. You know, and like you said, if something's, if you're not feeling on board with some advice that's been given you to you by a team member, you're better off going to somebody else because again, you don't want to be in that internal struggle of, well, they've told me to do this, but I don't really want to do it. And mentally, I don't believe it's going to work for my horse because the placebo effect is really powerful as well. If you think in your head, something's not going to work, it's probably going to sabotage it, even if it would work perfectly well for another animal. So again, you've got to make sure that you're mentally on board with these things and that you're not adding pressure and stress to the situation because it can be intense enough and you really need to be strong for your horses because when they're injured, when they're unwell, like they need you to be their rock. And this is why I stress so much the importance of people being prepared for emergencies because I'm like, this is when your horses need you the most the most out of any other situation. Like it could literally be their life on the line. Sometimes you can do everything in your power and not be able to change the outcome. Sometimes it will still be the last day that you have on earth with them, but you need to be able to look back on that situation and feel at peace with it, you know, and be able to look back and be like, you know what? I showed up as the best version of myself. I couldn't have done any more. And I'm proud of how I acted because that's what you hold on to. You do not want to be holding on to like, those feelings of like regret and going back and ruminating over could, could it have been different? 
If you are ready to dive into the world of holistic horse health and all it has to offer, I invite you to join me for my 12-week online signature program, Healing Horses Their Way. This program only runs once per year, and I'm excited to announce the doors are now open to welcome the class of 2024. Registration is now open. Inside, you'll learn how to formulate natural health programs using diet, lifestyle, single nutrients, herbs, and homeopathic remedies. And this course will also empower you with the tools and confidence you need to make informed decisions and take charge of your horse's health. If you want to learn more or you're ready to register, you can look in the show notes for the links. There's one link that will take you to a page to learn more about the program and how it's run. And the other link is just to get registered right away. I can't wait to welcome you. I think one major skill set in those situations is leadership. Uh, Our horses are prey animals. And so they are looking for leadership. Don't ask your horses to get them out of some of these situations. They don't know because they didn't get themselves into that situation, right? So being really, you know, and I always tell people in these situations, stay grounded, look within, breathe, get that calmness back for yourself because your horse needs you in that emotional state. That's what's going to help them the most. They're already scared, especially if they have to go to the vet clinic, right? That adds a whole other element of stress for the horse. And I think if the owners, it's going to be okay. We're going to be good. You know, like mm-hmm. the, the I'm horse will you. go okay. Yeah. They will follow. They will follow Completely. that um, emotional leadership. And I also know too that, you know, you were talking about how um, you know, we want that instant gratification, like people just want it fixed, like right now. And most of that is just get this emotional discomfort away. Like, I just don't want to feel this way anymore. And very much, it's funny that you bring that up because more and more as my practice and education, like my courses evolve, I'm like, just wait, just wait. You know, because you do as a practitioner feel like, okay, maybe I should add something else or maybe we should do something else. And it's only been 48 hours. This horse needs time. They've been down for 10 years. So let's just one day at a time and not, you know, rush the body uh, to do more than it's capable of doing. And the horse feels that rushy energy too from the owners. Yeah. The pressure. It's pressure. Exactly. It's pressure. And it's chronic pressure. So in a healing state, we always want stress levels to be low. Your horse needs them to be low. If their adrenals are pumping, they are not healing as fast as they can. Absolutely. And this really, and it layers into the fact that like if your horse becomes stressed, often they're then harder to handle, especially in an emergency situation that can then put the vet's life or that can put the vet at risk. And that will then make the vet stress levels rise, you know, that we end up in this just like spiral of cortisol. And it's like really like the owner being able to step into that position of leadership and actually just really ground the situation can make all the difference. And one quote that I just, I cannot say enough is that we don't rise to the occasion, we fall to the level of our training. So sitting there and being like, okay, well, yes, I am going to be grounded and just setting that as your intention. That is one thing. But you can't just expect to cross that bridge when it comes. You do need to put in the foundational work so that you have the the training to fall back on. So that you're like, okay, like I, I know how to take myself through, whether it's an emotional regulation process or the emergency response treatment steps so that you're getting the ball rolling, yes. you're taking calm, confident action, because that's what it really boils down to. Like I don't go out as a vet and just wing it constantly. Like I am always yes. just <laughs> working based on everything I have learned up until this point. 
And sometimes I'll come across a situation where I'll be like, wow, this is really unusual. And instantly I'm going back to my foundations. I'm going back to my first principles and you work your way up from there. But you need to have that baseline to start off with. Totally. And that's why, that's why like surround finding good mentors who you enjoy learning from, I think is so important. As a vet, I have so many mentors that, and I wouldn't be half the vet I am today without them having been in my life. And it's the same as horse owners. Find someone who inspires you, find someone who you resonate with what they're teaching and who you find interesting and who is passionate about what they're, what they're sharing with the world and get inside their, get inside their space and learn as much as you can from them because horses are a huge learning curve. I think as soon as you feel like you know it all in the horse space, that's a red flag for me because (laughs) I feel I learn something new every single day, even with all the qualifications I have under my belt. Yeah. You know, it's, I always tell my students this too, you know, because innately humans are hard on themselves. My students are hard on themselves. My clients are hard on themselves. Uh, the other piece that I don't think gets enough attention out there in the conversation is how much guilt comes forward, how much shame comes forward. I woulda, shoulda, coulda. Like those conversations are happening on repeat in the owner's mind, especially with some of these horses that, you know, they've been struggling for a while and nothing's really moving for them. And, you know, and then all of a sudden they have a breakthrough. And instead of the owner being like, great, we did it. It's like, oh my God, look what I put this horse through for 10 years. You know, there's that too. And I'm telling you, let it go. There is no place for that in the future. And I do think that when you are learning something, whether, you know, they're learning their emergency first aid from you, or in my case, they're learning food, nutrition, how to use all of that for prevention, but also recovery from a lot of issues. Repetition is key because the more times you say it, talk about it, share it, practice it, in these moments of crisis, when your heart rate goes up and your blood pressure goes up, you forget everything. You forget everything that you know. And, you know, I think we're no different sometimes, right, with our own animals. So I think it's if you have that foundation there and it's solid, even in a panic situation or a little bit of a crisis where you're pretty worried about it, you have something to pull from, you know, because it's just ingrained in your memory, you know? Exactly. It is a game changer. And that's the thing. And like, like you said, going back and reviewing things and going back over information and repeating it in your mind is perfect. And like one of the things I really advocate for is like people practicing all the skills because what I teach is it's very hands-on. And I'm like, there's one thing me sharing the theory behind it with you and the knowledge, but I want you to go and get your hands dirty, like a dress rehearsal before you need to, because I don't want you trying to put a bandage on your horse for the first time when they're flailing around and they're stressed because that's only going to add to the, add to the drama. Go and practice on it, practice it on them when they're normal and they're happy and they're healthy because that just helps you flex that muscle. And again, it just allows you to feel a little bit more confident and self-assured so that when you do step into those situations, again, you just got that bit of inner knowing like, okay, I've got this. Like I know what to do. Yeah. And that's what brings you the calm. And that's what brings you the sense of like, okay, I can, I can just follow my steps. And yeah, yeah. And that's why I love, I teaching, I love teaching things in a framework. So I love boiling emergency response down to how to act, which means how to assess, how to communicate, how to treat. You just follow that three-step framework, no matter what emergency you're coming across, whether that's a horse with colic, a horse with choke, a horse with a wound, a horse with an eye injury. If you always start by assessing them first, gathering all the information that you need, 
moving on to communicating all of those findings with your vet. Luckily, luckily we live, we live in a world where you can pick up the phone to your vet and first of all, it can be a free phone consultation. And second of all, you can just get advice if you need it. Your vet isn't instantly going to be instantly going to say, no, nah, I'm not going to give you any advice unless I come out and see the horse. You will have a two-way conversation and then make a decision together about if the vet is needed and if it warrants you paying the vet visit bill, you know? So then you can move into communication. And then once that's done, then you can step into the treatment phase. And you know, if you just follow those three steps, you're covering all your bases and you're going to, you're going to get your horse the help that they need as quickly as possible. Love it. And you know, I talk about this too, which I think you'll relate to is, is, and this is just a human quality. We all share it. I think it's just something that we come into the world with. We do the worst case scenario. And so if you find your horse, I don't know, an injury. I mean, horses are always banging themselves up. Let's face it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I don't know how. (laughs) Yeah. So, and some often you, and please weigh in if I'm on off course here, but they look worse often than sometimes they are because of the blood and maybe tissue, you know, if they've scraped themselves up or whatever. Um, And so I always say like, wait until you have all the information you don't know. You We're not even close to outcome here yet. You don't even know what's happening. You don't know where the damage is. You don't know what's possible for the healing. So maybe you can weigh in a little bit on that and how you coach people through that. Because I'm sure they got all kinds of ideas like my horse is going to be put down and all it is is maybe like a little flesh wound. Yeah, right? sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes. And that's just where it's like the more you know, the more perspective you have. And I think that's what it really boils down to, Alicia, is perspective. Because yes, when you don't understand the thing, if you've, your horse has never had a wound and then they get a really small flesh wound for you, it's the worst wound they've ever had. You know, whereas if you're someone yep. that's dealt with a hundred wounds, you go out and you're like, this is fine. It's like that horse that I saw the other day where the owner was really panicking. And I was like, we could literally turn this horse out, not treat it, and it would heal up on its own. Like, you know, like you have the perspective, yeah. but you get perspective through broadening your horizons, learning, and again, taking on firsthand experiences. But I try to steer people away from only learning through firsthand experience because that's uncomfortable. It's painful it for your horse. Yes, it's it painful is. for you. Let's <laughs> try and avoid that if we can and steer ourselves towards like gaining our perspective through learning from others, really. Um, yeah. But it's yeah. so important because again, like even if you put wound, if you put it into the context of wounds, if you go out and you see your horse and they've got a big wound all of the way along their rib cage, let's say, let's say it literally goes 20 centimeters and they've got a few other cuts and scrapes on their back legs. If you get solely focused on that wound along the rib cage, you might miss the tiny puncture wound that's sitting over the hock joint. Now, the puncture wound over the hock, that could be life-threatening for the horse. The long wound along its rib cage, we can stitch that out, up, out in the field and give it a few weeks and the horse will be fine. And it's like, again, but you've got to really look at the whole horse. Make sure you get a, do a really thorough assessment. That's why it's one of the most important things you can learn how to do as an owner. And then you can make your, your decisions from there. Because again, if you just get honed in on the, on the worst looking part, you might miss something that's actually more sinister that's hiding in the background. And steps. This is where I love that you talk about like assess, like go through the steps before you are even thinking about what might happen. You know, like that conversation hasn't even come yet. Like just first assess the situation, have a professional assess it before you're making up stories that aren't true. And uh, like this is really relevant when we talk about intention, like set your intention for the outcome you want, not what you're afraid of. 
And I think that speaks to the horse. Like if you walk out there and you say like, this is bad enough that you're not going to live through it. They go, okay, you're the leader. You should know, you know, so be really careful with the thoughts that you allow yourself to have in that situation. Mm -hmm. Take a deep breath. Like you say, just go through the steps. Go through the steps. And it's like behind every good vet is a really good system. So again, I love that. (laughs) The more you have a systematic way of doing things, the less like you are to miss things out, forget things. So I always like when I love teaching, I'm like, okay, if you're going to assess a horse for lameness, you start with the foot, then you do this, then you do that. And then you move up the leg and you take the digital pulse and you flex the leg. That way you can just go into autopilot when you find yourself in one of these situations and you know you're going to tick all the boxes. You're not going to leave anything out because you've got an order of operations, which matters. Yes. And I also think, which we've been alluding to for the this whole conversation, is the importance of prevention. We never, ever focus on prevention because we got a lot of other things going on and we don't have the time. We don't have the money. We don't have this. We don't have the resources. I cannot emphasize enough, no matter what you're trying to prevent, whether it's chronic health issues, colic, like a lot of that comes back to diet, horse keeping, stress levels. Put this into practice just as a lifestyle for your horse. So you don't end up in these situations where that you don't see coming because all of a sudden then it's an emergency and it's too late. Completely. It's too late for you to go take a course and learn and figure out how to feed your horse, right? So I always am telling people prevention, prevention, and I'm no better, you know, because we all prioritize our time. I'm sure you're the same. Like I don't have time to take this course, but I know I need it. And it falls off to the wayside until I have a case in front of me. I'm like, I really wish I had taken that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Completely. And I think you, you nailed it with the word prioritize because we always come up with excuses like, it's not the right time. I don't have the money to. Uh, I've already got enough on my plate. And it's like, actually, this is exactly when you need to be doing it because emergencies don't wait. In my experience, even no. some of the best kept horses will still find like they'll, they'll still end up in an emergency situation. And again, like you don't want to be leaving it until the moment of the event or after the event to then be playing catch up. And it really is a matter of this is where it all circles back to what we were talking about at the start, which is like it's the mindset piece. It is shifting yourself from being a person who is reactive and you're just responding to what happens as it comes to being someone who is proactive. You understand that there are like maybe four or five key areas of horse health that need your attention. Otherwise, things will go off on the on the wrong path. So you've got like your general husbandry, which comes down to like the way you're managing your horse and their stress levels. You've got diet, you've got hoof care, which I think is so, so important. You've got other preventative things like dental care. And then you also have your emergency preparedness. And these are your pillars. These are things that you should feel really solid in before anything happens, because this is what's going to help you navigate and avoid those situations. And I always think as well as like, all it takes is one big vet bill and you've already spent the money that you would have then spent on your course. So you're better off investing, like investing in your education and investing in your horse's health and well-being. And just know that you will save yourself more than what you've invested. By going down that path, you absolutely will. And the thing is that, especially with the specialties that we teach, they're not going out of date. They're not going out of fashion. What you learn will last you decades. And it's never going to be taken away from you, no matter how many horses you have in your life for the rest of your life. And I can't tell you how many times I have had a horse in front of me. And I think, boy, I sure wish I got my hands on this horse five years ago. 
because the longer you wait, the harder it is to pull these horses out of it. The older they get, the less resilient they are, the longer they go with more stress, more toxicity, more, you know, malnutrition, all of those things, the harder it is to get those heart horses back to a good state of health. And so it's always the last resort in many cases to start kind of dialing in those lifestyle strategies and dialing in the nutrition. And a lot of it's because there's no instant gratification in that. There's no immediate payoff in your eyes. You're just changing Mm. something. And so you actually never know what you're preventing. Completely. It doesn't doesn't happen. So So you just got to know and feel that it's paying off whatever it is that you're doing. And sometimes with horses, and maybe you can weigh in on this, they're so sensitive. Like sometimes it doesn't take much of a change to just make them happier, reduce stress levels, get their nutrition up, right? Like you don't have to overhaul your life necessarily. You know, I think it's just making little changes like we do for ourselves when we're we're on a good, healthy program. Just start walking a bit more of that every day. And you feel the more difference. More steps. Yeah, you, know? you feel Absolutely. the difference. Exactly. It's about just having a routine yeah. and having that routine and that structure sets you free, really, because it allows yeah. you to enjoy your relationship with your horse to the fullest because you're totally. not getting bogged yeah. down in all the heaviness of being like caught up in a chronic health condition or caught off guard by an emergency. Like all those things are not very pleasant. But the best way to avoid them is to learn how to deal with them so you can really steer yourself around them. And if they do happen, you can navigate them with grace and ease, you know, instead of it turning into something that really ends up tainting your experience with your horses. Yeah. And just know that your efforts are not, they like they're valued. Your horse values them your practitioners, your vets value them. Like there is a payoff there, even though you don't get that same reward, like a horse is in crisis and then they come out of it. You know, like there's like, whew, there's a huge sensation of relief there that is a payoff, but you don't get that when you're practicing prevention. I think that's Mm. kind of a big part of why we wait. Yeah. You know, there's no sense of urgency. Completely. And I think like you don't get that same level of gratification as you do if you go out and buy a shiny new saddle pad. That's the thing. And people right. are like, oh, they get caught up in the, like the materialistic component of owning horses and like having the gadgets and having the gear and getting the lessons with X, Y, and Z. And it's like, actually, like, what are you really doing to make sure that their health is optimal? Because that is our ultimate responsibility. Ultimate responsibility. Completely. It's part of the right. five, the mm-hmm. five freedoms for horses and for animal welfare. It doesn't include them being kitted out in the latest, um, latest rugs. It includes them being free from hunger and pain and discomfort. And it's like, you really need to make sure that we're ticking those boxes. Yes, and I love the word. Sure. I love it. I even love the word responsibility because when you break it down, it's like your ability to respond. And it's like just taking a step back and being like, oh, okay, well, what have I, what training have I done? What education have I done in order to really make sure that I do have that ability to respond? Because that is my responsibility to to my horse. And it's the greatest gift you can give them. When things go sideways, you are prepared. I think that is the biggest key there. Um, Now, before we wrap up, one thing I didn't mention, but I'd love you to say a little bit about, because I know my listeners will love this, is you have done uh, your traditional Chinese acupuncture. Yes. Yeah. So I did my um, traditional Chinese veterinary medicine and acupuncture certificate back in 2022, which I love. So what inspired you to do that is because I just love that vets are just 
getting out there and incorporating more holistic modalities into their toolbox. I just think it's good for horses, good for owners, good for them. I think it's just awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, interestingly, we had a um, veterinary acupuncturist come visit us at university and I was like a moth to a flame. I was obsessed with what he was doing. And then I ended up finding a course when I moved over to Australia, which was, it was a really intensive course. It's pretty much like being a Chinese medicine practitioner there. It's a whole different paradigm. It's not just a matter of popping needles in an animal. You have to learn a completely different method of medicine. Um, and what I found really interesting was at that point, I realized, ah, do you know what? My grandmother, who was a human doctor, she also studied acupuncture. So I feel part of it is just in my blood. But I also, I also love being able to offer my patients more than just pharmaceuticals. And medical interventions, because I got to a point where I was like, I'm bored of prescribing butin antibiotics. <laughs> and I was like, I want to be able to do more for my patients. I want to be able to give them a holistic outlook. And I also want to be able to treat those cases that are really challenging to treat with veterinary medicine, like head shaking. We often end up in a position where we're just backed into a corner and we're like, there's nothing more I can do for you. So for me to have this additional skill set that I can bring in that can help provide these horses with relief um, and help them actually get back to a point of healing. I love it. And it just it allows me to look at my patients from a more holistic standpoint as well, because I feel veterinary medicine, like human medicine, is very reductionist. We tend to isolate the organs into their different boxes. And we're like, this works this way, this works that way, and this works this way. And they don't communicate with each other. Whereas in Chinese medicine, everything is a whole unit and ecosystem. So you understand the way that the body operates as a as a whole component. And I love being able to look at it from that angle as well, because it just allows me to cover more bases and I think offer a better service to my patients. Yeah. You know, I was doing a little bit of research on the history of just medicine for humans. And, you know, for humans, you know, those allopathic medication or pharmaceutical drugs, like they came or came into fruition or developed because back then there was no options like the sicknesses that were happening at that time were like you're sick or you're dead right like yeah there was no (laughs) other options and so they needed something to provide immediate relief right this minute you know get some relief to whatever's happening and then i think just over time we do what humans do and we got a little lazy with it right? We go to that first, even though some of these issues are very much caused diet, lifestyle, and all of that. And, you know, the benefit of a lot of these modalities is just tremendous. And I think having primary caregivers in the equine industry that can offer options, like how about we try some acupuncture first? Exactly. Let's just see if we can, you know, nudge this forward with something else, you know, to start. Yeah, I love that. I love it. So yeah, awesome. it really fills up my cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And you're just so right about every day is a learning experience. It doesn't matter how long you've been practicing your craft or working on your skill set. And I often tell my students, like I literally look something up every day. Like I don't remember the last day that I actually didn't look something up. You there's know, so much because, to know. <laughs> oh, there's too much, right? There's so much. Either, even yeah. if it's a reminder or not, <laughs> you know, it, sometimes it can be like something you're very unfamiliar with or something you just need to be reminded about. Um, and I'm practicing uh, working on my homeopathic medicine diploma right now. 
And every time I open the material medicates, like I'm opening it for the first time, there's so much information in there to take in. You can't remember it all. So don't be hard on yourselves for not being yes. experts tomorrow. One just step at a time. Enjoy you know? it. Something is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just got to admit that this is part of it. And it, you got to, that's yeah. one of the reasons why you got to love it. You know, like just totally. If yeah. you're a learner, you're in the right spot. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. We should wrap up and let people uh, get on with their day. But I just want to thank you for coming on. I think these conversations are so incredibly valuable to the horse world. And I think more emotional support for owners is so necessary, but also the skill set, you know, just building that foundation of knowledge is so, so important to know that it's possible to do that as owners to kind of take charge and be accountable for what you know, and making the decisions, right? Like you get to make these calls. uh, But first, you just need to be informed. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, So tell us, you've got a masterclass coming up. Tell us, you know, for those that are interested in learning more about what you do and and what you teach, you've tell us about the masterclass. Yeah, absolutely. So one of my favorite topics to teach is colic, which I think all horse owners can resonate with. I think Colic is actually the leading cause of death amongst horses around the world at the moment, which breaks my heart. I'd love to really change that. So I'm running a masterclass, which is free on the 3rd of January. And we're going to be going into what the vet wishes you knew. So I really delve into what colic is, why it happens, and how to be prepared for your colic situations, like how to do your assessment, what exactly what to say to your vet, what to do while you wait for them to get there how to assist the vet when they arrive, and then also how to be mentally, emotionally, and physically prepared for the big decisions that can follow. So potentially taking your horse to hospital, how are you going to transport them? Would you commit to taking your horse to colic surgery? And unfortunately, like, are you prepared to, are you prepared for euthanasia? Because that'd be a decision that catches people so off guard. But again, your preparedness ahead of time can make all the difference. So That's a free class. I believe we're going to share the link for you to sign up to that in the show notes. And if you're listening to this after the 3rd of January, still click on the link. Hopefully, I'll have it registered so you can access a recording afterwards. But the live events are always the most fun. And for any of you that are feeling really inspired after this conversation, you're thinking, do you know what? I want to do some training in the emergency response field. So I am prepared. Follow the link to the emergency response training. You can read all about the course that I offer. So yeah, thank you so much, Alicia. Thank you, Dr. Lizzie. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we will see you in the new year for sure. I know we're keeping in touch and doing some things. And to everybody else, we'll see you in 2024.